0: The August 12, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as yes, always, yes, yes. Julian Assange's favorite cyber pet, <laughs> Mahler the fake news dog. Coming up, methane suckers, <laughs> thermal batteries, Norwegian crude. Yes. Quiet this time. Yeah. Dark patterns, Cuban baseball, and more. But first, what's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, Mike?
1: There's so many. Good teenage ones.
0: Mutant Ninja Turtle. That's the first one. Uh oh, yeah. I think number 2 well, was uh the secret of the ooze
1: Was that one? <laughs> then <laughs> there
0: was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 3 Yeah, yeah. there's so many good ones. And then they came back out of the shadows. <laughs> yes. Remember that one? Yes, oh, yeah. who could forget that? A technodrome was trapped inside a black hole in 3. Remember that <laughs> yeah. one? That was ex- <laughs> that one. Who I get chills forget? thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Scientist <laughs> captured an image of an unobservable object. Mm -hmm. How is that possible, Mike? A black hole, a cosmic abyss, an ultimate void, an infinite cavity, a heart of darkness so deep and dense that not even light can escape it. And
1: something that caused Einstein to fret about his theory
0: of relativity. That's right. Up until now, there have only been depictions of black holes—fake black holes, Mm -hmm. like in the Star Trek movies, yeah, (laughs) and of course that,
1: of course, of course, yes. We
0: have seen what we thought was unseeable," said Doc Doleman, the director of the effort to capture the image. The black hole looked like a glowing smoke ring of light surrounding a dark circle. It's in the heart of a giant galaxy in the constellation Virgo known as Messier 87, some 55 million light years away. There, a black hole several billion times more massive than our sun is unleashing a violent jet of energy some 5,000 light years into space. ooh, This is so amazing. Yeah. How uh, do they do that? The image. Yeah backed up an idea so disturbing as you said that even Einstein who came up with the idea was afraid of it. Yeah. You know, he came up with the, the formulations that led to the theory. Other folks had postulated what would happen. You know escape velocity if mm-hmm. there was an object that was so big that light couldn't escape from it what would that do? Yeah. If too much matter is crammed into one place the cumulative force of gravity becomes overwhelming and the place becomes an eternal trap. So they had all these telescopes. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. So the entire Earth became a telescope. Yeah. They could focus on an orange or a CD or a coaster. Right. Or what? Uh, you uh, know, uh, you Mahler's squeak toy, you know? It, yeah. Get it, Mahler. <laughs> yeah. Get it, Mahler. Get it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there we go. Anyway, they could focus on Mahler's squeak toy yeah. on the moon with this thing. <laughs> got a nice snapshot of it.
1: You see... The orange aura. Uh, Orange aura. And then you see nothing. Nothing.
0: And just for what it's worth, believe it or not, everybody on the team that was involved in taking this, Mm -hmm. they believe in global warming. Uh Huh. Yeah. Imagine that.
1: Crazy. Yeah.
0: They must uh, ignore the bad numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's a solid. It's It's a a liquid. uh, (laughs) It's a solid. Oh, yes. It's a liquid. It's a solid! It's a liquid. (laughs) Researchers used a type of artificial intelligence to confirm the existence of a bizarre new state of matter, where potassium atoms exhibit properties of both a solid and a liquid at the same time. Yes. It would be like holding a sponge filled with water that starts dripping out, except the sponge is also made of water. That's what... uh, (laughs) Andreas Herman, the study co-author, said yeah. the unusual state of potassium could exist under conditions found in Earth's mantle, but the element is generally not found in a pure form and is usually bound up with other material. Computer models confirm that at between about 20,000 and 40,000 times atmospheric pressure, well and 260 to 980 degrees Fahrenheit, the potassium entered what's called a chain-melted state, where the molecular chains dissolve into liquid while the remaining potassium crystals stayed solid. This is the first time scientists have shown that such a state is thermodynamically stable for any element. That's amazing. Again. And you know what? And you know, All the scientists <laughs> no. involved in this research, <laughs> yeah. they believe in global warming. Oh, my they, God. They look at the data and they say, yeah. Yeah, it's happening. Isn't the, really they the believe that it's word. a man-made, uh,
1: induced state of the world that we live in today.
0: Well, belief really doesn't yeah. enter into it. You look at the data. They've determined through scientific data. It would be like getting hit in the head with a bat. And mm. then someone said to you, do you believe you just got hit in the head with a bat? Do you, you believe in the density
1: well, of aluminum? Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> that. <them. laughs> yeah, that's about what it's like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if what the scientific ramifications of a liquid solid thing. Yeah. I don't know how that translates. Maybe that'll help us propel us through a black hole someday. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll all be made of liquid oh, solids. And we'll it, drip through the black we'll, hole. We'll just sort of be sucked in, and then we get on the other side. We turn back into
0: a solid liquid. If you're in a black hole, you're not going to pop out the other side as well, anti-Mike. Well, I saw that in the Ninja Turtle movie. I yeah, just yeah, assumed it was yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Everything's <laughs> okay, except it's all in reverse. <laughs> methane suckers. Yes. You hear about these things? I did, and this is kind of optimistic. Researchers isolated and grew a species of soil bacteria that lives on methane, the greenhouse gas that is second in heating us up, only to carbon dioxide. That would be global warming. You heard about that global warming thing. No, what are you (laughs) doing? That bacterium is Methylocapsa gorgona, which lives in soil because it can live on methane present in extremely low concentrations. The microbe can pull methane out of the atmosphere and consume it even when it's not near a major source of gas. Wow. (laughs) Jesus. I don't yell, you know, Molly. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the Molly methane. About... <laughs> is the methane gas something he
1: really kind of relates to yeah, in this, yeah, this story? Yeah, 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 we talk about The team is hopeful
0: they will eventually be able to harness methylocopsa gargona to eat more and more methane out of the sky. For the time being, they're focusing on what it does in the ground. The soil acts as an important methane sink, partially because of bacteria like Methylocapsa gorgona. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. But human activities are making soil less capable of storing methane. You know, agriculture and what yeah. not is making it less right. of it's- a methane sink. Several other strains of methanotropes are already used in high methane environments like rice paddies, where they're used as methane filters to help reduce the amount of methane released into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But while those strains can only live on very high concentrations of methane, Methylocapsa gargona can live on extremely low concentrations, as low as 1.86 parts per million. This tells scientists that the bacterium really likes to eat methane. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It can just go into a place where it's just little tiny scraps of methane. Yeah. Like you give your dog some chicken, and they really like chicken. Yeah. And then they look around the floor for little chicken bits. They're, they're just licking the floor. Yeah, they're at that licking point. the floor. Fu- that's, yeah. that's what this methylocapsa argona does well, it licks the floor.
1: By the way, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that all of the scientists who worked on this particular bacteria. Yeah. I believe, I've safe to say yeah. that they all embrace the idea of global climate change. Really? And the impact it's having on our ability to sustain life.
0: Yeah. But what do they know? <laughs> <laughs> Methyllacapsa Gragona's ability to consume methane from the atmosphere suggests that it could be supercharged to suck more out. Yes. Yeah. Slowing the rate of global warming. Oh my that god. That is good news. Yes, it is. <laughs> If this news is pleasing to you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI-FM? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM. KUCI.org. Thermal battery. South Australian company CTT Energy Storage unveiled the world's first operational thermal energy device. The battery can store renewable energy, has a higher storage capacity than traditional batteries, and is completely recyclable. The thermal battery has similar functionality to lithium-ion and lead-acid batteries. It can take any form of electrical input and create AC or DC. Unlike existing batteries, it can charge and discharge at the same time, and rather than storing an electrical charge, it converts the electrical input to heat. It'll be pretty hot, but the idea is this isn't something you hold in your pocket. This is something for massive storage of uh, energy. The thermal battery storage capacity is 12 times greater than lead acid batteries and has five to six times the capacity of lithium-ion. It's considerably cheaper and the battery's life has been estimated to be at least 20 years. And keep in mind, it's recyclable at that point. The company has partnered with MIBA Solutions, that's MIBA Solutions in Europe. MIBA has an advanced mirror tracker that concentrates solar heat using mirrors and only takes up an eight meter diameter circle. That's significantly (laughs) reducing the footprint needed by a typical voltaic site. It can rotate to follow the sun. That's a pretty good deal. And turn upside down to avoid collecting dust. What else do you want? The heat it generates can be directly translated into the thermal energy device. So good they're, news there.
1: They're calling it a game changer, and it does uh-huh. look like it's scalable. It looks like it's, it's one of those things that once you get a manufacturing protocol in place you should be able to crank these things out fairly
0: quickly. Less gas, more filling. Mm-hmm. Less gas, less gas, more filling. more filling. The largest party in Norway's parliament delivered a significant blow to the country's huge oil industry after withdrawing support for explorative drilling off Lofoten Islands in the Arctic, which are considered a natural wonder. The move by the opposition Labour Party there in Norway creates a parliamentary majority against oil exploration in the sensitive offshore area of Lofoten Islands, and a growing opposition to oil, the polluting fossil fuel which has made the country one of the world's most affluent. Norway currently pumps out over 1.6 million barrels of oil a day from its offshore operations. Yeah. So I would assume, given the size of the country and the amount of oil that they have, the ratio there is the greatest for Norway. And yet, they're yeah. willing to forego drilling for oil. Yeah.
1: Imagine if Alaska was its own country. It would yeah. be that kind of an equivalency, I think where it's there aren't that greater, many but, yeah. people living mm-hmm. there, and you've got this tremendous amount of oil reserve.
0: Norway's largest oil producer, the state-controlled company Equinor ASA, has said gaining access to oil supplies in Lofoten is essential for the country to maintain production levels. It's thought there are between 1 billion and 3 billion barrels of oil beneath the seabed off the Lofoten archipelago. The move comes just after Norway's government gave the go-ahead for its $1 trillion oil fund. This is just after, like days before Mm -hmm. they made this decision to not drill. They uh, put this $1 trillion oil fund, the world's largest sovereign wealth fund, to invest in renewable energy projects not listed on the stock market. Right. So they're going to take their $1 trillion of an oil fund that they've made off of oil and invest in renewables. One of
1: the reasons why it will be so difficult to wean ourselves off of oil is because these Huge multinational corporations have so much money invested in the future of oil, right? They have put all kinds of money into buying land, into developing it for exploration, the Mm -hmm. equipment involved. All of these are tremendous costs. And until we de-incentivize that part of the equation, we'll never stop oil companies from developing more oil, right? So what I think we need to do is figure out a way to what the Norwegians are doing, which is... Taking that money and repurposing it so that we give, let's just say as an example, we give gas companies, oil companies, a tax credit to not explore. Let's say they have a $10 billion investment
0: in an oil field, right? I know what you're saying. I understand that. But it's also a moral question, too. It's like giving somebody money to not kill you. They shouldn't kill you in the first place. They shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Their greed has driven them to this point. And Uh, what they're doing now is trying to monetize the end times. I'm not disagreeing with you.
1: However. So we give them
0: tax breaks?
1: Yeah, because these are corporations. These are not moral beings. Corporations are not moral beings, they have a fiduciary responsibility to maximize profit. Well, then we do something, we
0: we try to do something legally to take them down. I don't think we should spend, while there are homeless people on the street, while there are people starving in the world, we're giving bastards tax breaks to make more money. Just hear the last second half. So we say to them, that
1: $10 billion you're going to invest, you've already invested in that oil field. We'll give you a tax credit for that $10 billion if, and this is the big if, you take that $10 billion tax credit and transition to renewable energy. We're going to give you a path. We will help. The government will help you make that transition from just what the Norwegians yeah. are doing, transitioning into a renewable company. And if they choose not to do that, then we decide what we need to do, which, whatever that might Nationalize. be. Nationalize. Nationalize. You have more
0: faith in greedy bastards than I do. I
1: have more faith in their desire to make money. Yeah. And if we tell them the path to continue to make the kind of money they are is in renewables, and here's how we're going to help you make that transition, yeah. they're more likely to do that. It's or fight that, us in
0: court for the next 45, 50 years. It's either that or they burn in hell. Well, well, that's... Billions are expected to be spent on wind and solar power projects there in uh, Norway. It is the latest indication that wealth accumulated through fossil fuels is being redirected towards future profits in renewable energy, except here in the USA. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on Tumblr at kuciradio.tumblr.com on Twitter at kucifm on Instagram at kucifm. Stream us live on TuneIn and on iTunes. Go to Internet College University KUCI. 88.9 mm-hmm. FM, China's Lumberyard, China's Lumberyard, China's voracious appetite for wood is pissing off Russians. I'll bet it is. China's logging is ravaging Russia's forests, leaving behind scarred earth, studded with dying stumps. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of... Since China began restricting commercial logging in its own natural forest two decades ago, it has increasingly turned to Russia, importing huge amounts of wood in 2017 to satisfy its construction companies and furniture manufacturers. Russia has colluded, selling Chinese companies' logging rights at low cost and turning a blind eye to logging beyond what is legally allowed. Chinese demand is also stripping forests in Peru, Mozambique, Myanmar, a lot of other places. In the Solomon Islands, the current pace of logging by Chinese companies could wipe out the country's once pristine rainforest by 2036. In Indonesia, activists warn that illegal logging linked to a company with Chinese partners threatens one of the last strongholds for orangutans on the island of Borneo. And at the same time, China is protecting its own woodlands. It's protecting their woodlands and cutting down everybody else's. The Chinese logging has provoked a popular backlash with protests in Russia that strains the cozy relations between the country's two leaders. That's Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. Members in Russia's upper House of Parliament have assailed officials for ignoring the environmental damage to Siberia and the Far East. Logging is spoiling Russian watersheds and destroying the habitats of the endangered Siberian tiger.
1: And not to mention the fact that the carbon capture of these forests is disappearing as well. Climate change is going to bring about what I believe to be a significant change in the leadership in the world. Because these people like Putin and Ping and Trump and others are in it for the money. They're in it to make as much money as they can while they're in office. And this is a byproduct. What you're describing is exactly that. This is all about that. They're
0: monetizing the end times.
1: Yeah, there you go. Dark, dark,
0: dark, dark patterns. Yeah, dark, dark, dark. (laughs) Dark patterns. U.S. senators are reaching across the aisle in an effort to stop dark patterns in software. Dark patterns are tricks used in websites and apps that make you buy things you didn't mean to. You know, that, you think you're not clicking on something, but you are, or it says, uh, look at this woman with the funny breasts. Yeah. You know how they do that? Yeah. I mean, no, but yeah, I know what and, you're saying. But, t- but you, you don't t- see the funny breasts? Yeah. So you click on there yeah, You to click see. on there. But I don't do that.
1: You know, the thing about websites now that's similar to what you're yeah. talking about, you can click almost anywhere and it's going to take you somewhere else. Inadvertently, you accidentally click anywhere
0: on a website now. Yeah. It seems to take you somewhere. That's why it's best to stay in websites you're familiar with. Yeah, Yeah. exactly right. You know, it makes you sign up for things you didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. It says, like, are you curious about this? And the next thing you know, they want your date of birth. Another trick is you can't figure out how to get out. It's
1: something that's blocking about a third of the page, and you can't figure out how to get away from it.
0: You can't click out. You don't see the little X right I just go to my history and and do that because sometimes you can't back out of it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. They can do anything from nudge users to hand over their data to encourage them to spend another $5 to play more MLB MGM Candy Crush. (laughs) Senators Mark Warren, a Democrat from Virginia, and Deb Fischer, a Republican from Nebraska, presented a bill that would tighten the reins on big web platform holders with over 100 million active users like Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Mm These monopolies are each guilty of using dark patterns at one time or another. The bill is called the Deceptive Experiences to Online Users Reduction Act. D-E-O-U-R-A. Yeah, I tried that last night. I couldn't come up with anything. All right. Maybe it's the name of one of their daughters, you know. (laughs) Diora. The bill would make it illegal for companies to design, modify, or manipulate a user interface with the purpose or substantial effect of obscuring, subverting, or impairing user autonomy, decision making, or choice to obtain consent or user data.
1: That's good. Yeah. Well, like on top
0: that. of that, it would ban user interface design that creates compulsive usage in users under 13. I was listening this. to our friend Douglas Rushkoff yeah. you know, the other day, and he was talking about there's, there's courses being taught at Berkeley in, I think it's called captology, which they literally are using to addict you to yeah. the internet. It's yeah. capturing you yeah. to keep repeating and repeating and repeating behavior, and that's what they're also trying to ban, at least for under 13. I've noticed Facebook recently. You know how they have notifications? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, there's three new notifications and you look up there and, you know, it's somebody liked something or somebody posted something. They're repeat things that they've already notified you about now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that's almost like a dark pattern. Right. Elizabeth Warren is right.
1: That big tech companies need to be regulated.
0: The uh, bill would also ban various forms of data analysis on young users, like Facebook, uh, when they they targeted teens that felt insecure. They were somehow able to determine that a teen was insecure, and then they would advertise to them. Also in the bill, companies would have to share data experiments publicly. Oh, that's interesting. All right, yeah. In baseball news... (gasps) Baseball mother.
1: Can can we say the word dick on there?
0: Can we say dick? Dick Cheney. Yeah. 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 We yeah. can say that. You can call somebody a Dick Cheney. All right. I'm going to call him a Dick Cheney. Donald Trump. Go he, ahead. He's Go a, ahead a to, Dick yeah, Cheney. Yeah, he's a Dick Cheney. Donald Trump, who's a Dick Cheney, was called out. <laughs> well, he wasn't called out. The reversed agreement negotiated by the Obama administration. When hasn't that happened?
1: Yeah. Boy, there's news right there. (laughs) Don't go any further.
0: Abruptly ending a deal between Major League Baseball and the Cuban Baseball Federation that had eased the path for players to compete in the U.S. without defecting from their country, like Yasiel Puig did. Yeah. And it was dangerous for him to get here. It wasn't like he just walked away. Uh, He was a stowaway.
1: He was a stowaway. He had to have people help him and basically hide him and the
0: trump administration said the deal constituted a violation of trade laws because the cuban baseball federation was part of the government of cuba cuban sports teams including its baseball federation and olympic committee say they are independent of the central government but the trump administration says no so you know those flyovers they have at dodger stadium yeah how independent is that of the u.s government (laughs) (laughs) Major League Baseball had requested a face-to-face meeting with the U.S. government agencies, but they were not granted one. They wanted to work this out. Their argument was based on the fact that the Obama administration had given Major League Baseball a license in 2016 to do business with the Cuban Baseball Federation and that a Trump-era national security presidential memorandum published on June 16, 2017... Promised the agreement would be grandfathered in. So it's Trump lying again. Yeah. The memorandum stated that any new regulations will not affect existing contracts and licenses. That's a quote there. Yeah. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees signed on to the United Nations Sports for Climate Action Framework, finally adding some U.S. representation among the international signatories which include FIFA and the International Olympic Committee. Not that these are outstanding organizations necessarily, but at least they're signing on to uh, agree with a Paris climate agreement. The Yankees
1: aren't going to tip the balance in terms of the perception. Yankees in seven. Yankees in seven. And they're not going to tip the perception of climate damage, climate change as a top priority for the human race. However... It helps. It doesn't hurt. It helps. And good
0: for the Yankees for doing that. Yeah, they'll probably have little advertisements on their popcorn boxes. Yeah. Dodgers should do the same. Major League Baseball should do the same. I'm surprised the NBA hasn't stepped up on this, too. yeah. You ever go to LACMA? Yeah. Yeah, I have been to LACMA. Yeah, I like it, too. Yes. Or I've liked it there. Yeah. I don't know that it's the same. They're, They're starting to shut down the buildings at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Latest design proposal for the new LACMA campus by famed Swiss architect Peter Zumthor was unanimously approved by county supervisors.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't like that at all. It would replace the original buildings on the campus built in 1965 and designed by modernist architect William Pereira, who designed the original buildings here at UCI along with a street front building erected in 1986 designed by Hardy Holtzman Pfeiffer Associates. Mm. Pereira designed Fashion Island, oh. the original Fashion Island, yeah. also you know the Trans Am building in San Francisco. Now yeah. that's the, the yeah. nicest building I think Pereira did, okay. is Trans Am in San Francisco, the pyramid. Right. This is Zumthor's second attempt at designing a new LACMA. The first one looked like a tar pit from the air and stretched across Wilshire Boulevard. This one looks like a white tar pit and also stretches across Wilshire Boulevard. (laughs) It's a single story Mm -hmm. that's lifted off the ground so that it goes across the boulevard. Okay, And, you know, it's okay. But donors and taxpayers will be paying over $650 million to get the white tar pit. And that will be over 105,000 square feet smaller than the original buildings with 53,000 feet less gallery space at a time when Lackman's collection is already too big for the site. <coughs> yeah. Much of the collection is in storage right now. It's in the office building that's across the street yeah. from Lackman. That's where they're going to build across the street. That's They have the property. Right. But still, can you imagine what's going to happen with Wilshire Boulevard there when they're building this thing? Yeah. yeah. There's money involved in that, too. Yeah. In a radical change to the museum's longtime official mission, the Encyclopedic Museum with Exhibitions of International Stature will be torn down and be replaced by one sprawling gallery for themed exhibitions that will scramble the collections in generalized rather than dedicated spaces. The collections will be mixed, matched, and merged. Mashed is a good way to put it. Collections like Pre-Columbian and South Asian will be lost in the shuffle, they have a whole floor dedicated to pre-columbian just about. Mm-hmm. You can go in there and just kind of immerse yourself in pre-columbian. Mm-hmm. It won't be that way anymore. They'll just mix it, you know, you'll be looking at an Andy Warhol and there'll be a pre-columbian, which I guess is okay, but you're not going to see as much. You won't be able to count on seeing certain works there yeah. uh, at any particular time. They'll be rotating the collection. The idea is to build satellite museums, but that's going to add to the price tag. Right. They've already spent $10 million yeah. on architectural fees so far. Right. And $650 million to build this, but you know that that's going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no building that's ever been made. Well, there have been, but Not it's on a this rarity, scale. Yeah, rarity that, that comes and... in on cost. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Uh, and since the Board of Supervisors is a bunch of star suckers, You know about those people. Yeah, I do. Actors Brad Pitt and Diane Keaton shilled the idea before the supervisors, before the vote was taken. Uh, This is just a bad decision. Yeah. I'm not wild about the Pereira buildings. They're kind of clunky. Mm. They're the clunky buildings on this campus. Mm -hmm. The administration building, the library. Yeah. At the time, they, they were all right. But nevertheless, when you go to an art museum, what are you doing?
1: You want to see art.
0: You want to go inside and see the art. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> tune in, turn on. Oh, yeah. Researchers have created a psilocybin playlist. Yeah. Yeah, psilocybin. Yeah, I was. They're looking into how psilocybin in music can help cancer patients feel less depressed and anxious and induce mystical experiences in healthy people. Yeah. You know, that was my major here at UCI. Which was? Inducing mystical mystic- experiences in healthy people. Yeah. It yeah. was the, the relationship between psychedelic experiences and religious experiences. That's why they call you the doctor. Yeah. And even help smokers quit smoking. <laughs> that's, that's what they're saying right here. <laughs> I know. they a psilocybin saying, playlist. Yeah. The results have been promising, adding to the continued efforts to bring psychedelics back into the scientific mainstream after decades of being used by people like me, who gave it a bad reputation. (laughs) Very very bad reputation. (laughs) Yes. Well, By
1: the way, I'm not exactly knocked out by their playlists, but. uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. There's plenty
0: of Brahms, Vivaldi, Mozart and Bach in the playlist. That's because instrumentals are less distracting and less likely to let a person fall back on normal patterns of thinking. Okay, I agree with that. The order of songs is crucial to a therapeutic trip. First up, supportive, unfolding, forward-moving music like Edward Elgar's Nimrod from his Enigma Variation series. This kind of tunage functions as a nonverbal support system. Okay. At trip's peak, music becomes a mirror of transcendental forms of consciousness that the tripster may not even be aware of. Well, yeah. The slow movement of Brahms' violin concerto, for example. Bill Richards, who heads the study, uses music not as a force that actively shapes trips, but as one that forms a psychological space where a person can trip comfortably and safely. I understand that. But I like to be a little bit more improvisatorial. Or at least I did. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much into tripping anymore. No. But to me, sometimes the whole point of the trip was the music. Exactly. You would listen to something challenging. It, it guided you into right. a new terrain. And this guy just wants to use it as muzak. As participants in these studies return to reality, the form and structure of the music becomes less important. At that point, Richard says, most any music can be explored and often enjoyed, even personal favorites. Ooh. Do tell Bill. He recommends What a Wonderful World or, oh by Louis Armstrong. That's a good piece. I understand where he's going there. And for cancer patients, that would be comforting. Yeah. And finally, Switzerland announced plans to abolish their national emergency stockpile of coffee after declaring coffee not vital for human survival. What?